Don't be a chain. Welcome to the podcast for civic leaders who aren't just in it for the buffet. My name's Duncan Baskaran Brown. Let's be more than a chain. More authority, more connection, more presence. Who wouldn't want more gravitas? And that's what we're going to be doing this episode with Network News, Media Mayor, Mayor of the Month, and of course a big, big interview with Antoinette Dale Henderson, who is going to show you how to get more gravitas. So let's do it. Let's be more than a chain. It is a truly, truly exciting time for the National Network for Civic Leaders. We're about to launch an all-new programme called Rising Stars. It's all about young councillors, new councillors, people who want to make their way in local government, people who want to make their mark. Yeah, the rising stars that want to go on and do something in civic leadership. So if that sounds like you, or if you know somebody who's joined the council recently or is relatively young to be a councillor, then you should definitely put them in touch with the National Network for Civic Leaders. What we're going to do is offer some coaching and some training, some leadership and communications guidance, a bit of finding out what it is you're path through the council is going to look like, a little bit of help and advice, that sort of thing. We're going to put that together for a selection of rising stars. So if you know somebody who's, who meets that description, put them in touch with me at info at civiccoach.com or if that sounds a little bit like yourself, don't be modest. Let me know. Drop me a line on info at civiccoach.com. We're going to be running the selection program over the next couple of months. So there is a bit of time, but don't delay. This is a fantastic opportunity to get some amazing free coaching and training to help you become one of the civic leaders of the future. This time on Media Mayor. Attendance award for Lord Mayor. It's never too late to say sorry. The importance of being a good chair. Mayor becomes an insult. And the latest round of Trump versus Khan. Attendance award for Lord Mayor. So the Lord Mayor of Nottingham, Councillor Leacat Ali, was at a school recently to present the Lord Mayor's Attendance Award. It's given to pupils who have managed to achieve a 100% attendance record. You just have to take one quick look at the photo to see that these young people are pleased as punch to be receiving an award and meeting the Lord Mayor. So fantastic, great work, Councillor Ali. But it did kind of get me thinking, should we have an attendance award for civic leaders? Are you the best Lord Mayor you can be if you go to absolutely everything? It's a contentious one and I think it's it's open for discussion. But my views on the subject are kind of like this. Sometimes I think actively going to as much as you can damages your ability to become a civic leader. Yes. Yes, it's absolutely important to get out into the community and to meet people and to be visible. 
But sometimes I think it's better to say, well, you know what? I can't go to everything today. I'm going to send my deputy because, hey, they're going to learn a little bit by going to that event. And I'm just going to concentrate on making sure I'm absolutely focused on achieving what I want to achieve. Giving the time to the events that are your priority. Maybe that is the way to win the awards as a civic leader rather than to blindly go for the 100% of everything. I don't know. If you've got a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. Drop me a line at info at civiccoach.com. Let's have a bit of a conversation. Or, hey, you could even tweet me at the civic coach. It's never too late to say sorry. Elliston District Council Chairman Kim Callahan recently picked up an award at the Australian Local Government Awards. It's an interesting one, probably not something we're going to see the LGA doing. It was an award for promoting Indigenous reconciliation. It was for a project that they ran uh, recognising, acknowledging the deaths of Aboriginal people in Waterloo Bay in 1849. Now that was quite a long time ago and maybe the apologies a little bit overdue, but still I think it's great that the council's working on historical issues and trying to bring its community much closer together. That's the kind of thing that we really, really like. But I think there's a deeper point here. Some people tell you that you should never apologise and never explain. I'm sorry, but I think that's a terrible idea. I think an apology when you've done something wrong is the only thing to do. A full and frank apology, in fact, it makes you look better. It makes you look like you care. And hey, we do care, don't we? So we want to show people that we care. And you know what? I think apologizing at the right time in the right way can do nothing but increase your gravitas the importance of being a good chair now people out there in the world might like to throw mud point names make accusations about civic leaders across the country personally i don't like to repeat them on this podcast but occasionally they come across my desk when I'm doing the media mayor section and occasionally they provide us with instructive examples. So this one is about the value of chairing a meeting. If nothing else, if you can chair a meeting, it gives your critics one less thing to shout about. So this is something that I read in the newspapers criticising the chair of a local council. They said, and I quote, several times throughout the meetings, allegations were made that were not supported with evidence. And when persons tried to refute those allegations, you allowed other members of the public and councillors to add to the allegations. On the key matters, you stifled the debate by cutting members of the public short. Yet when one member of the public was disrespectful and rude, you did not intervene. Now, there's quite a bit in that, isn't there, about how you conduct the debate, how you handle members of the public, which uh, I know can be difficult. But the bottom line is, if you are a civic leader, one of your key responsibilities is to chair meetings. It really is something that you need to spend some time getting better at if it's not something you're instantly comfortable with. So 
My suggestion? Get yourself on the network's Rising Star program and we'll cover a little bit of top tips for chairing meetings on that. So if you think you'd be interested, drop me a line on info at civiccoach.com. Mare becomes an insult. It's Tour de France season. And even if you don't like cycling, you probably heard about Chris Froome and Subbutamol. Lots of allegations about him having used therapeutic exemptions to enhance his performance. I'm not going to get into all of that because it's got nothing to do with Media Mare. However, the guy that runs Team Sky that Chris Froome cycles for, a bloke called Sir Dave Brailsford, who you might have heard of, largely responsible for GB's success in the velodrome at the Olympics. He came out and insulted the president of the United Cycling International Federation. And the insult that he chose to level at this fella was, I think he's behaving like a local French mayor. Now, I've got a lot of time for Team Sky. I think Chris Froome's done done a great deal to promote cycling in this country. Like I say, I think Dave Brailsford has done an awful lot too. But I cannot stand by and let him use the term mayor as an insult. It's just not on. It shows a great deal of disrespect for the hard work that put in by our French cousins in local government. But I think it reflects badly on all of us. I think what he's saying is that local government is incompetent. So I am not going to buy another Team Sky jersey this year. I might begrudgingly support any British riders who are riding for them and doing well in the tour, but I am not particularly happy with Dave Brailsford. I think he needs to understand how hard people work in local government and what a great job they do, and that mayor is not a term you can bandy round as an insult. <laughs> And finally, the latest round of Trump versus Khan. I'm sure you did not miss Donald Trump's visit to the UK. And I kind of hope you didn't miss the giant balloon depicting Donald Trump as a baby. I think it's great that peaceful protests and satire still exists in this country. So uh, good on you, all of the people that put that up there. And the reason why I mention it is because... Ultimately speaking, it was the authorities in London that allowed that balloon to be flown. And ultimately speaking, that was Sadiq Khan. And when he was asked whether or not the balloon should be flown, whether it was a, a pointed insult directly aimed at Donald Trump, he just said, people have the right to peaceful protest. And of course, he's right. So good on you, Sadiq. I think we need to remember what the right for peaceful protest is about because if we forget things like that then we might end up really living in the terrible kind of regime that they say Donald Trump is trying to impose on the US. So I would say ding ding seconds out that round I'm definitely scoring to Sadiq Khan. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you like buffets? Do you like feeling important? Do you like doing things the way they've always been done? Then you are going to hate Unchained 2018. 
It's the free online conference that will help you throw off the shackles of tradition and become a 21st century civic leader. You'll hear from experts in communication, leadership and local government and meet the best civic leaders from all over the world. Don't miss the Civic Event of the Year. Sign up now at civicleaders.co.uk Buffet not included. I'm joined by uh, Antoinette Dale Henderson, who spent many years working with businesses, helping them improve their leadership and their communication. She's helped hundreds of leaders improve their gravitas. So I'm really pleased to be joined by her today. Thank you very much for coming along, Antoinette. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Duncan. Fantastic. So could we just start? Could you just uh, let everybody know who you are? Sure. Okay. So I've been running a leadership development program for the past 10 years. It's called the Gravitas Program. And as part of that, I'm a coach and I run, run leadership development programs in organisations, both public and private. And I also do one-to-one -one work. And before that, I spent 16 years working in communications and PR, helping brands get famous. And it was about, yeah, as I say, 10 years ago now that I decided to go it alone and, and set up my own business and, and follow my heart. And it was all about helping people fulfill their potential. So, yeah, that's what I do these days. And having published the book, Leading with Gravitas, three years ago, that's really changed a huge amount um, of what I do because people do seem to have a real interest in how to develop this intangible skill. So that's what I do these days. Absolutely. I think uh, when I first met you and you said you help people with gravitas, I thought, yep, I would like some more of that. <laughs> As you, you rightly say, it is, it is kind of intangible. So what, what, what is gravitas for you then? Well, it's interesting because I remember when I was 27 years old, my manager at the time said, you know, for you to become a leader, you need to develop your gravitas. And, and I thought, okay, so that's, you know, I wrote the word down and I thought, okay, I'll go and do that then. And, and like you, I had no idea what it actually was. And, and it's when people, when I became a coach and working in organisations, people started to say the same thing to me. I've been told I need to develop my gravitas, no idea what it is. So that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find out what it is. So I conducted research over three years to profile leaders with gravitas at a global level. And so what, starting with the definition, gravitas is traditionally associated with statesman-like qualities. It's, it's a Roman word originally, and it was associated with other qualities like dignitas, so that's dignity, pietas, which is valor, and virtus, which is um, which is courage, and and so it's associated with with weight, seriousness, solemnity, and all of those things. It's interesting because you think about to what extent those qualities resonate in in communities and organisations today, and you might think, well, you know, that's all very well, but it's it's too aloof. And so I believe there's a modern day version of gravitas, which is all of the best of of um, gravitas from before, but also um, combined with, with some additional ingredients that mean that people can get taken seriously, but also are able to make a connection with others. And so, yeah, I've taken the traditional definition of gravitas, which was also traditionally a, a male term. You know, often you think about people with gravitas, the old fashioned version, it's silver haired chairman who have a, a place 
in the car park with their name on it. And that, that kind of leadership doesn't work anymore either. And leadership is, is very much open to all now. So that's that's how I have brought that into the 21st century. That's absolutely perfect because that's what we believe as an organisation that civic leadership is for everybody. You know, it, it has to come from the entire community. You have to yes. embrace everybody because everybody has something to offer, don't they? So yeah. that's that's excellent. And um, what sort of what sort of elements do you think make up Gravitas? So as part of the research, I created this Gravitas wheel, which is a tool that you can use to profile your Gravitas and also a tool that you can use to identify which areas of it you want to progress and develop. And so the wheel is divided into six different qualities, all of which make up what Gravitas is, it's making the intangible tangible. And they are based on the qualities we have on the inside, also qualities that show up on the outside as well. So the three internal qualities are self-awareness, incredibly important for any leader to know themselves and be able to understand their strengths, but also their weaknesses, their areas of development and how they hold themselves back. So self-awareness is the first internal quality. The second internal quality is expertise. And that's the proof that people use to assess you, it's the evidence that demonstrates your, your gravitas and your, your, your right to be taken seriously. So expertise is really important, not only to keep developing, but also to ensure that people witness and get to find out about. That's the second internal quality. The third internal quality is authenticity. And that's incredibly important, especially if you're wanting to get people to relate to you, if you're wanting to be remembered for who you are and stand out from the crowd. One of the key ways in which you can do that is to choose to be yourself. But it's not just rocking up warts and all. It's about really identifying what are the best parts of you that you want to reveal and finding ways to show, show that to others. And there's many ways in which you can do that. So those are the three internal qualities. And then the, there are three external qualities as well. And those are presence. And presence is an interesting one. Again, intangible. But presence is, is the quality that people have that where you notice that there's someone across the room and you don't notice anyone else. There's something about that individual that stands out from the crowd. And I imagine being a man, you, you have all the, all the trappings that make you stand out and make you noticeable. But there, there are other things that people can do, even without the, the, the gold chain, to, to be noticed. So presence is very, very important. The second external quality is connection. Connection is the, the ability to, to create networks of people, a broad network of people where you're finding reciprocal opportunities to help one another out. But connection is also the ability to build rapport with others as well. And I believe that connection is really important when it comes to Gravitas because there is the perception that Gravitas can be quite aloof, quite highfalutin and, and quite distancing. And again, that kind of leadership just doesn't work in the 21st century. So the ability to connect is integral to gravitas and to leadership. So then the final external component of the gravitas wheel is projection. And that's the ability to amplify your message. I, I use the term, or the metaphor of turning up your dial. So turning up your dial so that you can be noticed, so that you can ensure that your message is heard 
not only you know within your periphery but at a distance as well and i imagine that is an incredibly important quality for mares to be able to develop as well so those are the, the components of the gravitas wheel which is decoded what this intangible thing is but i found also having tested the wheel over a long period of time that there's an additional ingredient which is at the center of the wheel and that is purpose and i'm sure that anyone who's listening to this or watching this can relate to the fact that it's important to understand what your why is why is it that you're doing what you're doing why is it that you've chosen this position rather than any other what what gets you up in the morning why do people want to come and talk to you, you know, what position are you um, holding um, for them? So purpose is incredibly important, and that, that is what unites everybody with gravitas. They're all different forms of gravitas, but they all share the fact that they have a purpose that's beyond just personal gain. It's not just about them and their ego. It's about the wider world. Fantastic. And I, I can personally assure you that most people don't get involved in local government for personal gain. Right. Absolutely. It's it's the glamour mostly that we're <laughs> It's the chain, isn't it? <laughs> so, I think there's some really interesting stuff in there. So uh, let's get 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 on and dig a bit deeper into some of those subject areas. So one of the things that's kind of come up quite a lot uh, during this conference is um, becoming an expert in your community. And I think that's part of what you said about the, the, the right for you to be taken seriously. Uh, so just if, if you could just explain a little bit more about how expertise can help you uh, increase your gravitas. So like, like I said before, expertise is, is the evidence that people use to rate you. And expertise is, is a combination, I believe, of not only your qualifications and so that the formal qualifications that you developed over time but it's also your personal qualities so you can have two people who, who go for position and they both have exactly the same qualifications they've had the same experiences through their lives maybe they've, they've been you know, done the same degree they've had the same kind of jobs and so on paper they look the same but the individual who's going to get the position, who's going to, to win the position, is the one who, who is able to demonstrate that and something else as well. So the personal qualities are really important. So it's how they uh, talk about not only what they do, but how they do it. So that, that resonates with both the, sort of the logical, and the mental and, and cognitive interest of the person who, who's, who's doing the interview but also the emotional as well. So the, the different, why again, why is it the person does what they do and, and what expertise that they have. And expertise is, it's, it's relative. An individual need only know a little bit more than the people that they're talking to, to be valuable and useful. Really it's about how to share, share their knowledge and share their experiences in a way that is relevant to their audiences. And so it, it's relative. But it should also never stop. People should continue to focus on self-development and, and serving whatever position that they have. And so there's, there's the commitment to ongoing development and ongoing expertise to make it continually relevant to the people that you're working with, to your audiences. Because particularly in this fast-paced day, day and age, 
unless people do are developing and, and committing to their expertise, then they actually start going backwards. So I imagine with, with people who, who have a civic responsibility, it's about keeping up to date with what's going on in the community, the changes that are occurring and, and the, the ongoing needs of a community and making that relevant. And so there are different tools that you can use. You, you, you can use a classic SWOT to help if you're wanting to profile your expertise. So the SWOT will help you understand on the inside, what are your strengths? What, what are the, the, the qualifications, the experience, the personal qualities that make a difference to the position that you're in? But also what are your weaknesses? Where are the gaps? You know, where, where, where could you let yourself down in, in the position that you're going for? And so it's really important to know that because then you can do something about it. So those are both internal qualities, strengths and weaknesses, and then the opportunities and threats. So then again, it's about so what opportunities externally outside of my my world, what opportunities are there out there in the environment that I can make a difference in? Who can I use to work with? What organizations would be interested in, in what I do? So what opportunities are out there? And then finally the threats. What external threats could actually stand in my way, prevent me from achieving my aims and my objectives? What, what, what is out there that could be potentially destructive or harmful and therefore what am I going to do about it? It's a really simple business planning tool but people usually apply to organisations and to teams and to, to external things but it works really well when you apply it to yourself as well because then what drops out of that in an action plan? Brilliant and I have to say that's one of the, the real strengths of your book is that there are a lot of exercises in there that, that give people things to, to actually go off and do. Uh, you know, reading a book is great, learning new things is fantastic but actually going off and doing something is what, what usually makes the difference. Mm. Uh, so I, would, I would recommend everybody uh, watch the rest of this of course but get a piece of paper. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, that's just uh, put a little list on there and work through your, your your um, uh, progression as a community leader, I think, and uh, an expert in your community. Mm. That's uh, some fantastic stuff. And if people are interested, if they want to, in the book, uh, there are a number of different models and tools that, that people can work through. So rather than actually writing on the book, they can go to the website and then they can download all those tools and those materials and they can fill them out on paper and not worry about spoiling the book. <laughs> uh, yes, there are two types of people in the world, aren't there? There are those people who are very um, neat and tidy and look after their books and don't like writing on them. My wife is like that. She gets very annoyed with me. Um, I'm not so much of that campus. <laughs> kind of like battered your book about quite a bit. Sorry. Um, I understand. I think that's a way of respecting a book. But, uh, <laughs> Okay, so one of the other things you mentioned was connection, and I think that's that's really important for civic leaders. Where you know they meet a lot of people. That's one of the privileges, really, isn't it? Meeting everybody in your community, but you have to build a rapport with people very quickly, which which can be difficult. So, do you have any tips for developing the right kind of mindset for doing that? Mm. Yeah, I, I think the key thing is to believe that a connection is possible. And, and it's about believing that whoever you meet, you know, whatever age they are, whatever walk of life, that, that there is the potential to connect with everybody. I think the mindset is, is critical. And because what that then does, does is it opens you up to possibilities for, for identifying connection. 
As far as building rapport, what I like to think of it as is it's, it's almost like you're a detective. You're, you're an open-minded detective and that you're open and you're interested in the other person and, and you're looking to find places where your interests overlap. It's like you know, the center of the Venn diagram. You know, where do we have connections? And it's incredible when you have that mindset and you, you open up because it physically opens up your, your physiology as well. It means that people are, are going to be more likely to want to approach you. When you open up, then nine times out of ten, you'll find something that you can connect with people on. And that, that is when the magic happens because you then start to realise that we have so much in common and that, that, that at, at a deep level, as, as human beings, we're often quite similar. You know, we, we believe that the same kinds of things, we have the same kinds of experiences. And that's, that's, that's a real privilege when you, when you connect with people at that level. And it's so rare because often the way people communicate is at quite a transactional, on-the-surface level. And that's fine at a day-to-day -day level. But if you're really wanting to build rapport with people and create connection, it's the belief that there's more to it underneath the surface. And of course, key to that, and you know, we both know this being coaches, key to that is, is listening. And listening at a deep level. You can listen at all different kinds of levels. But it's incredible when you, you choose to, to be that way. And, and it's about curiosity as well, so the mindset of curiosity. Let me give you an example. I have done quite a lot of work in Dublin, and I remember at the end of two day, leadership program, really exhausted, didn't really fancy chatting, you know, was quite happy to just get my book out and be in my own world. And I thought, no, 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 no let's see, let's see what happens. And I sat down next to, to this guy and um, and we just started chatting, you know, it's, so often people have their phone in front of them or, or something in front of them, then it blocks. So I thought, let's, let's just open up, keep your channels open. And it turns out we went to the same university we were in the same hall of residence. We were even in the same block in the same hall of residence. We did similar kind of work and we, we were able to connect in terms of the professions that we had and the work that we do. And in the end, he ended up introducing me to a number of different people and, and in fact, introduced me to the Professional Speaking Association, which is where we met. And so the, the, the point there is that unless you open yourself up to connect, it's just not going to happen. If you keep those channels blocked, it's not going to happen. There's so many wasted opportunities. And so it's, it's about being able to connect and, and having that open mindset with people, irrespective of who they are. Mm, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's one of the great things about uh, being a civic leader is you do meet such a wide range of people and you do start to understand that, uh, yes, you do have a lot in common. And yet, actually, sometimes people who you'd initially think not a great deal of actually go a long way to help you so that's so true very worthwhile yeah that's so true so one of the the stories that you told in your book um was about the the coach on the plane i found that one particularly interesting so if you could just share that with us sure and i i, I guess that that coach on the plane story inspired what i did on the plane on the way back from dublin that day so it's it's a story about a, a, an experiment that was conducted, research that was conducted, where they, they were wanting to find out what, what would happen when someone truly listened. So they asked a coach to, on a flight from New York back to the UK, 
to sit in the middle aisle in the middle seat so they had people on either side. <clears throat> and they were briefed to not say anything about themselves whatsoever. So purely just to ask questions. And so they asked questions of, of the person um, next to them and um, and asked questions and asked questions and so the person opened up and opened up and more and more connection was created. And then they got to the other side, so they got back to the UK and they took the person who sat next to the coach to one side and said, what, what did you think of the person who sat next to you? And they said, do you know that was the most fascinating person I have ever met in the whole of my life. Just such an incredible conversation. I just love sitting next to them. And of course it turned out that you know the coach had not said anything about them themselves, but the way that they had been had clearly moved and touched the person next to them. Fantastic. So uh listen and ask questions. That's you know a very important thing. And actually it has the benefit that uh you learn something about your community, don't you? If you're out in your community talking to people, it can help with the expertise side of things as well. So Yeah, yes. And you can practice it all the time. So I practice it in the checkout counter at the supermarket. I'll strike up a conversation with the person, you know, behind the checkout counter and, and just see where it goes. You know, if I'm on a train like I was saying or a plane, you know, I'll just strike up a conversation. And I remember saying this in one of my programs and um, it, I was running a program in London. And one of the participants said, well, you know, if you did that in London, then, then one thing you're barking mad. And, you know, <laughs> maybe not on the tube, because, you know, there's, there's a line. <laughs> so that's, again, about using your instincts as to what's appropriate or not. <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, that's true. I think, you know, it's, it's something that's quite easy to practice, isn't it? I find the world is surprisingly full of people. So there are all of these people you can go out, you can ask them some questions, you can really listen to their answers. So uh, once they finish this video and done the SWOT analysis, they can go out and ask some questions, right? And the key thing is, is when you're asking a question is, what most people do is they do gap searching. So they'll ask a question and they'll be listening, kind of listening to the response and, and they'll be looking for an opportunity to just jump in and say, oh yes, I've done that and I've been there and I know, I know about that stuff. And so they're not really listening at all or they're paying lip service to listening. You know, when you're really listening, you're, you're listening with, with a completely open mind. And I imagine that for a civic leader, that is an incredibly useful skill to have because then you find out, you know, what, what the needs are, what, what the wants and the desires are and, from the communities that you can then go and do something about it. Mm, that's, uh, that's fantastic advice to uh, politicians, local, national, whatever role they're in, actually, you know, listen to people and discover what they want rather than just um, applying a, a broad philosophy of what you think they need. Or an assumption. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Fantastic. So uh, I'd, I'd like to get on to authenticity as well. That's something else that's come up quite a bit during the conference. So how does how does authenticity tie into Gravitas then? Hmm. I think authenticity is another quality that, that makes people with Gravitas more approachable and more believable. And so it, it's very closely connected, linked to connection. It may have been in the past that it was okay to have a facade or to wear a mask, you know, hide behind the safety of that. People see through that these days. They, they, they can sense when someone's not being real. <clears throat> and so if you're wanting to 
be remembered and be trusted, then it's incredibly important to show up authentically. But it's not just about letting it all hang out, what and all. It's about revealing and showing up your, your best authentic self. So it's about holding yourself to a high regard and thinking, you know, what, what, do, what do my audiences, what do my communities want and need from me? And so authenticity, authenticity is about being able to, to show that and reveal that and, and open up for people. Excellent. And I think, you know, you touched on it, the mask, the facade. I think there is a real danger with that, that people put on this big gold chain and they feel they ought to adopt a mayoral persona, whatever that might be. Uh, any sort of advice about getting over that and being yourself and not being too worried about fitting in kind of thing? Mm, sure. It's hugely linked to the first quality of the grab test rule, which is self-awareness. Once you really know yourself and accept yourself, then you're more likely to, to be okay with who you are and, and let that be seen. So increasing your self-awareness about who you are, what makes you tick, will give you more to open up with. It's also helpful to understand what your personal values are. What, what are the key words that really resonate for you? So, so to give you an example, my number one value is respect. And I know that because when I see people being disrespectful, whether it's just throwing rubbish in the streets or, you know, talking unkindly, I have an allergic reaction to it. So through time, I've understood that respect is an incredibly important one. And so now that I know, you know, I, I understand all my values, but that one being the primary value, I'm able to authentically talk about why that's important to me and open up. And so it's about understanding what your personal values are and also thinking about how they link with your community's values as well, or the values of the organisation that you're working with, and allowing those to be seen. Because again, that, that's who you are underneath, below the surface. Authenticity shows up on, on a number of different levels. And I, I can understand how if you're wearing a gold chain and the robes and you're, you're carrying that weight of gravitas and that weight of history, that's immense. And so you might think, so who am I underneath? Who am I underneath these, um, this garb? And so it's all the more important to be okay with who you are underneath and connect with what's important. Again, it goes back to your purpose and your why and choose to share that and allow that to be seen and heard and felt. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of understanding that you, you do bring qualities to the role and that you, you are worthy to carry the weight of that, that chain. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to touch on presence as well. There's a, a fantastic bit in your book that I'm going to read at you just in case you've forgotten it. Uh, it says, people with presence command attention like a magnet just by being in the room. They possess an aura which holds an audience spellbound. They radiate an energy that inspires and attracts others. People sit up, take notice and follow their lead. Mm. I think that's exactly what everybody wants. You know, that's really, that's, that describes what good civic leaders do. So um, any tips on how we can, uh, we can get that? Mm, sure. And as you can see, all the different elements of the wheel are, are linked and connected. And so if you have decided, made the decision to show up authentic, authentically, and you choose to share, share something of yourself, then that will 
like I was saying before, that will open you up and that will, will make you more noticeable. There was a, a lovely story about Marilyn Monroe and she was out shopping with Norman Mailer in a, in a shop. And, and, and Norman said, what's going on, Norma? Because she was just Norma Jean at the time. She wasn't being married. What's going on here? Well, we're not doing the usual, you know, we're not being swamped by people like we normally are. And she said, okay, so watch this. And she flicked a switch and suddenly she became Marilyn. And immediately she had people swarming around her. For me, that's a great illustration of what presence is, is that it's possible to flick a switch and turn it on, which then led me to think, okay, so what is it? And ultimately, it is about. It's a combination of things, but it's, it's about your physicality and your posture. So if you're standing up straight and, and holding yourself tall, then immediately people will notice you. You'll stand out from the crowd because most people are just slumped and slouched. <laughs> so if you're standing up straight, like your teachers told you, that will make a huge difference. What that also does is that means that you've got more energy running through your body. You're able to breathe more effectively and so you will appear more alive. And that aura that people talk about is, is a quality of just being awake, switching on to the surroundings that, that you're in and allowing yourself to be noticed in that way. So there's something to do with presence. There's something to do with the phys physicality of, of posture and breathing and how you hold and carry yourself. So when you walk into a room, when you're standing there talking to someone, don't fold yourself in, open yourself up. There's that. There's also presence is linked, obviously, to the word presence, being present. So being present is choosing to be in the room with the individual that you're talking to, aware of what's going on in your surroundings. People are so easily distracted, either by real things that are going on in a different room or conversations that are going on over there or all things that are going on in their head, you know, what they might be having for dinner or what was that email that they received just now. Or, oh my goodness, you know, all these things in their head. When people allow themselves to be distracted in that way, they lose all presence whatsoever. So it's a choice in your head. It goes back to mindset again. It's a choice that you make to be present and show up. And then there's the, the posture, the physicality, the body language that goes with it. Fantastic. Look, that's some, that's some really, really interesting stuff. I think uh, you've, you've given us a, a great deal to, to think about and indeed a few things to go off and do once the interview's over. But just, just before I let you go, could you tell everybody where they can find out a bit more about you? Of course. So they can come to the website, www.gravitasprogramukspelling.com gravitasprogram.com they can get a hold of a, a copy of, of the book Leading with Gravitas there's a Kindle version and, and a paper version on Amazon if they're interested in using the Gravitas wheel that I talked about to profile their Gravitas and identify what they need to do to develop then there's a Gravitas profiling tool which is available on the website and what you do is you go through a, a questionnaire to assess your gravitas based on each of the different qualities online and then what you get out is um, a detailed report on specifically what you can do to develop each of the different qualities you know, full of tips and techniques and guidance on what you can do based on whether it's a strength for you or a weakness if people are interested in coming to the gravitas masterclass i run a couple of open programs in london every year 
and if people want me to come in and deliver gravitas masterclass or full program in their organization then, then we can come and do that too. Fantastic thank you very much I'll put some uh, links to all of that stuff down on the show notes as well so people can find you. Find you. Uh, thank you so much uh, really really interesting stuff really fascinating stuff and remarkably something people don't talk about a great deal but is uh, I think absolutely something that we need more of in the world. Mm, thank you thank you very much Duncan. If I told you that this month, our Mayor of the Month only decided to run for office because his local council had refused a planning application, you probably wouldn't think he was going to be a great mayor. You'd probably think he was one of those people who was just out to get a bit of revenge over the council that had done something that he didn't like. But then again, this particular mayor is not your ordinary mayor. In fact, I would go as far as to say he is the most famous mayor on the planet. Now you're all racking your brains now thinking, who's the most famous mayor on the planet? It's easy. It's Clint Eastwood. And, and this isn't like some kind of joke, like he once played a mayor in a western. No, Clint Eastwood genuinely was mayor of the town that he lived in. You see, the thing was, the council did refuse a planning application to him, and he decided that the only way to improve the quality of government in his local area was to stand for office. And so he did. And the thing is, I think he actually did a reasonably good job. To be fair, I probably am a little bit biased. I do like the movies of Clint Eastwood. You know, the old ones, the, the Western ones, when he was a proper hard-boiled gunslinger. Those are the ones I like, yes. But he still did a pretty good job as mayor. And I think one of the reasons why he did such a good job was because he came in like an outsider and he brought new ideas. And the the perceived wisdom within his local council was that they shouldn't allow development, they shouldn't allow tourism, they should keep it the way it was. But actually, it was starting to stagnate. The, the town needed fresh blood. It needed fresh ideas it needed a new impetus and that was what Clint Eastwood provided them he redid the zoning laws he brought in development to the town and generally he improved the town for the people living there and that's one of the reasons why he's mayor of the month of course the other reason is because for some reason they had a a ban on ice cream being sold in the center of town they didn't want to attract tourists tourists to their nice town so they refused to sell ice cream but Clint overturned that ban. So he was the man that brought them ice cream and that is enough to become Mayor of the Month. Look, I'll put a link on the show notes. You can uh, check out all of the stuff that he did and make up your own mind. But for my money, Clint Eastwood was as good a gunslinger as he was a mayor. Coming up next time on More Than A Chain, it's Mayors for Peace Month. Yes, every August at the network, we promote the Mayors for Peace initiative. And the centre of the podcast is going to be a big, big interview with John, the former mayor of Glastonbury. Who could be more appropriate than a mayor of Glastonbury, a proper mayor for peace? That's going to hit the airwaves on the 14th of August. I will see you there. We will have all of your favourites, network news, media mayor, civic role model. I will see you there. And in the meantime, remember, stay more than a change.